Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. I'm back in the studio with a timely show this week. I had a pre-taped show uh, for the summer box office last week while I was on vacation. Mara and I went to Orlando. We hit the Disney parks. We hit Universal Florida. I have a lot of fun stories to share, and I look forward to doing that here on the channel uh, in the very near future. But right now, we have not only the box office from this past weekend to talk about, but a few things from the previous weekend that I didn't get to cover. So let's jump right into it. But before we do that, I want to thank, as always, my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. I'm proud to be partners with Carbon Health. It's because I believe in their mission, which is to provide healthcare as accessibly and as affordably to as many people as possible. You can go on the Carbon Health app right now to see if there's a Carbon Health location near you. If there's not, you can do a virtual appointment so you don't even have to go into the office. And if there is a location near you, they offer all kinds of services, including urgent care and Carbon Health locations. Leave slots open every day in case you can't make an appointment specifically around your busy schedule. And if you live in the state of California, you can even make your doctor at Carbon Health your primary care provider. So thank you as always to Carbon Health for being a partner with me here on the show. And let's talk about the box office. First of all, not this weekend that just passed, but the weekend prior to that, which saw the debut of Gina Prince-Bythewood's The Woman King, starring Viola Davis, at number one with a $19 million opening. We'll talk a lot more about that movie in just a few minutes. At number two is Barbarian in its second week, a 38.4% drop, which for a horror movie is almost like a miracle. Uh, the fact that it's in its second week and drops less than 40%, that just goes to show you that this was a very buzzy film, that there was word on the street. You often see horror films plummet after that first weekend because it's kind of a front-loaded interest for that movie. Obviously, the word got out on Barbarian, and you saw some other people going to see it. At number three is another horror film from A24, the prequel to X, which came out earlier this year, Pearl, with a $3.1 million debut. Another debut was there at number four, See How They Run, at just over $3 million. And then at number five was Bullet Train, in its seventh week, with a 23% drop and $2.5 million. Falling out of the top five for just the second time in 17 weeks was Top Gun Maverick. It had a 29% drop, but was just edged out by about $250,000 by Bullet Train to drop out of the top five. It made $2.2 million in sixth place. DC League of Super Pets was in seventh place with a 17.9% drop in its eighth week and a $2.1 million total. The Invitation spent a fourth week in the top 10 with a 33.7% drop and a $1.7 million total, followed by the Rise of Gru in its 12th week with just a 20% drop in a $1.3 million total. And then another new film at number 10, the documentary Moon Age Daydream about David Bowie. Despite being in limited release, it was still able to score a top 10 debut with $1.2 million. Dropping out of the top 10 a couple weeks ago were Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva after just one week amongst the top 10, along with Life Mark, which also dropped out of the top 10 after one week. Beast dropped out after four weeks, and the re-release of Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff edition, dropped out of the top 10 after two weeks. Looking at the per theater averages for the 16th through the 18th of September, number one was Casablanca Beats, which brought in $25,596 in just one theater. This is a Moroccan film that was actually up for the Palme d'Or at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival, just now seeing theaters here domestically. At number two was Moon Age Daydream in 170 theaters, bringing in a strong $7,236 per theater. At number three in just one theater was the 
documentary Riotsville, USA, a film about the 1960s military training for urban conflicts in U.S. cities. This documentary played Sundance as well as other film festivals. At number four was The African Desperate, which played in only two theaters for a $5,486 average per theater. This is from director Martine Sims about an art school student's last hours as a student. And then at number five was The Woman King in its debut with just over $5,000 in each of its 3,765 theaters. Looking at movies in limited release for the 16th through the 18th, these are movies that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer. You had Moon Age Daydream at number one with $1.2 million total, followed closely by Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva in 810 theaters in its second week with a $1.1 million total. Clerks 3 in 616 theaters had a big weekend event. Most of its showings have been during the week, which is why you haven't seen it a lot on these charts. It was good enough for $674,000 in the 616 theaters in which it played. At number four is the film God's Country, starring Tandiwe Newton in 785 theaters with a $279,000 total. And then at number five was a hybrid streaming theatrical release, the long-in-development new Fletch film, Confess Fletch, starring John Hamm. I've heard good things about Confess Fletch, but I have not had a chance to watch it just yet. So that is a snapshot at the box office that I missed last week when I did the pre-tape for the show. Let's look at the box office for this past weekend, and then we'll try to put all of it into context. At number one, it seemed like the lead-up to this film was a movie in its own right, Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling, which scored a debut almost exactly the same number as we saw for The Woman King last weekend, $19.3 million. There was a thought that it could go over $20 million, but it was a little bit front-loaded, largely due to a lot of Harry Styles fans that reportedly came out to see the show on Thursday night during the previews and on Friday, the official opening day. We didn't have any of those in the screening that I was in, but it's because I saw it a little bit later. I saw it on Saturday night, uh, so I, I really can't report on any Harry Styles uh, fan behavior, but I've heard mixed reports. At number two is The Woman King in its second week. It drops 42.2% for an $11 million, just over $11 million total. That's not a bad drop, and it's indicative of the fact that the film skewed a little bit older demographic when you have a film that drops less than 50%, that usually means that you didn't bring everybody out the first weekend. Of course, this was also a somewhat controversial film, so you could have had people that were going out in week two to uh, see what all the fuss was about. You never quite know why people are going to the movie. But a 42% drop would be, I would say, about as expected for this movie. At number three was the re-release of Avatar, because God knows it needs more money to prime people for Avatar The Way of Water releasing later this year. $10.5 million in third place. A large amount of that business reportedly driven by premium theaters, IMAX and 3D. That's not really too surprising. In its third week, Barbarian stays in the top five, a 25.6% drop with a total just over $3 million. And at number five was See How They Run in its second week with a 36.4% drop and a $2.5 million total. Now, one interesting note here is that we now have with The Woman King and Don't Worry Darling, two films from female directors opening at number one in consecutive weeks. So I went back into the archives to see if that had ever happened before. And in 1999, Bronwyn Hughes' Forces of Nature and then the Wachowskis' The Matrix opened at number one in consecutive weeks. However, I could not find an example of two films from female directors who were identifying publicly as female at the time the movie opened 
opening at number one in consecutive weeks. So perhaps a little history was made this past weekend. Before we look at numbers 6 through 10 at the box office this weekend, I also want to talk a little bit more about The Woman King because it was one of the very few films you see nowadays to get the coveted A-plus cinema score, which means that for all of the people that went to see it on opening night, the organization cinema score was out there in select markets around the country to ask people what they thought of the film, and the movie scored an average grade of A-plus. So what does that mean for the box office? We've talked about this many times, that there is a correlation between movies that get an A-plus cinema score and their legs at the box office. So let's look at The Woman King and the last five movies that were in wide release and received an A-plus cinema score. You see that The Woman King had a week two drop-off of 42%. Top Gun Maverick dropped just 29% in its second week. American Underdog, The Kurt Warner Story, dropped just 33%. Sing 2 dropped 10%. Spider-Man No Way Home took the biggest tumble, 67% in its second weekend, although you also have to remember that it made all of the money in its opening weekend. And then Just Mercy, it dropped 41% after its wide opening weekend after a couple of weekends in limited release. So Just Mercy may be the film that we want to look at if we're trying to investigate a comparable potential performance for The Woman King. When we look at the movie's box office legs, that's basically the final gross and its multiple of its opening weekend. Top Gun Maverick has them now has made 5.62 times its opening weekend. American Underdog made 4.52 times its opening. Sing to the champion here 7.29 times its opening weekend spider-man no way home made 3.13 times its opening and just mercy made 3.66 times its opening and that usually is the minimum number when we're talking about a movie with an a plus cinema score three times the opening or better is what we normally see and that's because a movie with an a plus cinema score generally has really good word of mouth it has a very long tail at the box office it's not quite as front-loaded as a lot of other movies and if we're going by that metric, a 3.5 times multiplier would get The Woman King to a domestic tally right around $65 million. And the movie had a reported budget of around $50 million. So a $65 million domestic total isn't terrible, but a lot of it then is going to depend on the international gross for the film and how it does around the world. So I'm sure that the studio and the filmmakers and the stars behind The Woman King are hoping that the movie may do four or five times its opening, like some of the other a cinema score films this is one of those movies that's kind of right in the middle and a lot of it does depend on how long it sticks around at the box office does it get awards love is it one of these movies that plays for weeks and weeks and weeks or is it going to start falling off a little more dramatically as the weeks go on so it's kind of wait and see with the woman king but that less than 50 percent drop in its second weekend does indicate that it may be sticking around for just a little bit at the domestic box office Let's look at the rest of the top 10 for this past weekend. We talked about horror movies holding well. Pearl drops 39.2% in its second weekend with a $1.9 million total, followed by Bullet Train in its eighth week with a $1.8 million total. Close behind is DC League of Super Pets. I'm going to have some exciting news about that movie to share later on. In its ninth week, a 20% drop and a $1.7 million total. Top Gun Maverick still hanging around the top 10 in its eight. 18th week of release, four and a half months 
with a 27.9% drop from last week and a $1.6 million total. Is this the last week that we'll see Top Gun Maverick in the top 10? Only time will tell. At number 10, another movie that's been hanging around for a while. Minions, The Rise of Gru, 13 weeks in the top 10, a 23.8% drop, and a total of just over $1 million. Dropping out of the top 10 this past weekend, after four weeks, The Invitation says goodbye, as well as Moon Age Daydream after just one week, although the fact that it was still in limited release, it's impressive that it made it to the top 10 at all last weekend. When we look at the domestic box office road to recovery after several weeks below where we were last year at the box office, this weekend we saw an uptick. You can see the green line passing that orange line. That means that this weekend's box office was better than the comparable week last year in 2021. When we look at that equivalent weekend, that was the debut weekend of Cry Macho, which was a hybrid HBO Max theatrical release, and then Gerard Butler's Cop Shop, which is a movie that I enjoyed, but didn't really make a whole lot of noise at the box office but as you can see we are still well below that blue line that's the average box office performance from 2015 to 2019 basically pre-pandemic so we have a very long way to go to get back to that box office mark at this point during the season Looking at the per theater averages, Avatar actually had the best average per theater, and that's because it wasn't in as wide release as the other films. It was playing in 1,860 theaters and brought in $5,661 per theater. At number two is Don't Worry Darling with a $4,705 average in each of its 4,113 theaters. The Woman King at number three with $2,923 in each of its just over 3,700 theaters. At number four, the only movie, and it's, this is kind of a rarity, that is not in wide release on this list this week. In just eight theaters, Buried, the 1982 Alpine Meadows Avalanche, which is a true story of an avalanche that hit a Lake Tahoe ski resort back in 1982, brought in $2,295. And then at number five is Barbarian, which brought in $1,673 in each of its 2000 890 theaters. Barbarian, actually, when I looked at the number of theaters, very rare in its third weekend, it added about 500 theaters because, again, it seems like the word of mouth is out. And there were some theater owners that said, well, you know, I've got some screens that are freeing up from some of these movies that are rotating out. Let's throw Barbarian on a couple more screens. That's always good to see. We have so much more to cover, but before we get to that, I want to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Mint Mobile. How many times have you been offered a great deal by one of the big wireless service providers only to find out later on that there's a catch? Every time, right? So when I heard that Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless service for as low as $15 a month, the first thing I thought was, what's the catch? But after doing some research, I found out the catch is there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. That means they cut the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill and who doesn't, right? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. And Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint Mobile, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle to cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. 
at mintmobile.com slash Merle. And I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. These were the top five movies in limited release. Again, 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one, again, is Moon Age Daydream, bringing in just under a million dollars in 733 theaters, so an expansion of around 600 theaters in its second weekend. At number two, Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva. It shed some theaters in week three down to 460, but it brought in over $380,000. At number three is a film from Mexico called Cuando Sea Joven about a older woman who becomes her her younger self. It's actually a remake of a Korean film. It brought in $268,000 in 315 theaters. At number four is a very confusing movie. It's called Railway Children. It played in 932 theaters and brought in $265,000. In the UK, it was called The Railway Children Return because it was a follow-up to some movies that were adaptations of a book series that was popular in the UK. But then when it was released here domestically, I guess they thought, well, if it says The Railway Children Return, people aren't going to know what it means. So they just retitled it Railway Children for the release here. Although I would imagine if you're watching the movie, it'd be kind of confusing because it's a follow-up to a movie that nobody has seen. It'd be kind of like if they took Batman Returns and released it in a different market as Batman, and you just had to kind of expect to know what was going on. Some interesting cases that you get here sometimes in the limited release box office chart. At number five is On the Come Up, another hybrid release from Paramount Plus, streaming and theatrical. On the Come Up is an adaptation of a YA novel directed by Sanaa Lathan, a popular actress now turned director. So we see Paramount Plus really the last streamer right now doing the big hybrid theatrical streaming service release, Peacock doing it with a few different movies. Uh, but Paramount Plus really uh, devoted to that strategy for now. We had some big movement this week on the limited release chart. These are all movies that played in 1,000 theaters or fewer, or I capped their box office gross at the time they expanded beyond limited release. And we actually have a new champion. Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva is now the highest grossing film in limited release domestically this year with just over $7.5 million total. It tops BTS Permission to Dance, which took that number one spot back in the spring. It's now at number two with $6.8 million. KGF Chapter 2 jumps down one spot to number three. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On drops one spot to number four. Orphan First Kill drops one spot to number five. Followed by Cyrano at number six. Lal Singh Chada at number seven. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris at number eight. The Worst Person in the World at number nine. And Breaking at number 10. We have some business to wrap up here, even though it is late to mid-September, and that is the summer box office, because it seems like we finally have the 10 movies that will be in the summer top 10. And despite all my doubts, all my misgivings, and my checkered past with Dwayne The Rock Johnson when it comes to summer movies, it looks like DC League of Super Pets is going to survive and take that number 10 spot on the 2022 domestic summer box office list, that drops the black phone out of the top 10. And it also means, as we look here at my predictions, even though I only predicted one movie in the correct place for the first time in my summer prediction career, I picked all 10 summer movies. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we did it. Strike up the band. Where's the fireworks? Where's the confetti? This is a big deal for me. I've never actually picked all 10 movies correctly. It was a very inaccurate summer for me as far as placement, but you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna enjoy this moment. I may never do it again, 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. I take back every mean thing that I said about you. Thank you, National Cinema Day, for reviving DC League of Super Pets and putting it on the top 10. I'll never forgive the experience I had watching Jaws on National Cinema Day, but I will thank the day for this. Thank you, David Zaslav, for waiting to put DC League of Super Pets on HBO Max, but also screw you, David Zaslav, for almost everything else that you've done. This is a big moment for me. I'm glad that you could be here to celebrate it for me. Let's wrap up the summer box office. Thank you to everybody that played along. And here's to next year when I'm sure I'll go right back to embarrassing myself hideously and picking like 6 out of 10. Let's look outside the domestic marketplace and see what movies were doing well around the world. And no surprise here, but Avatar was the number one movie internationally as well, bringing in $20.5 million outside the United States and Canada. At number two is the film Ticket to Paradise, starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts. This actually won't open here stateside for a couple more weeks, but there are some international markets that are getting an early look at the movie. It brought in $11.1 million, just ahead of the number one movie here domestically, Don't Worry Darling, with $10.8 million internationally. At number four is the Chinese film Give Me Five with $5.9 million. And at number five is Confidential Assignment 2 International from South Korea with $4.2 million. When you take the international numbers, you combine them with the domestic numbers, we get the worldwide chart. And by the very thinnest of margins, Avatar is the number one movie in the world. I got an email from Disney last night saying that Avatar was. They're very lucky that Don't Worry Darling did not overperform its estimates. Avatar is number one at $31,029,576, but less than a million dollars behind it was Don't Worry Darling, the number two movie worldwide with $30.1 million. The Woman King is at number three with $12.1 million, followed by Ticket to Paradise at number four and Give Me Five at number five appropriately. When we look at the 2022 domestic box office, Top Gun Maverick obviously remains the number one movie of the year. $300 million behind Top Gun is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Jurassic World Dominion is at number three. The Batman is at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru is at number five. Thor Love and Thunder at six. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at seven. Elvis at number eight. Uncharted at number nine. And Nope at number 10. So no change as yet to that domestic box office. And there's no change in the ordering of the 2022 worldwide box office, but we have a pretty significant announcement, which is that Top Gun Maverick, yes, is number one with $1.4 billion, but we have a second film that has now earned $1 billion reportedly worldwide, and that is Jurassic World Dominion, which somehow scratched and clawed its way across the $1 billion mark, $1,624,731. I think someone might have screened it in their backyard, one of the studio executives and charged admission. I don't know how they got it over a billion dollars, but they were able to do it. At number three is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with a measly $955 million, followed by Minions The Rise of Gru at number four, The Batman at number five, Thor Love and Thunder at number six, The Battle at Lake Changjin 2 at number seven, Moon Man at number eight, Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore at number nine, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number 10. 
When we look at the worldwide box office over the previous 365 days, so you take today's date, you roll it back one full year, these were the top 10 movies over that length of time. At number one, Spider-Man No Way Home with $1.914 billion, adding a little bit with its re-release. Top Gun Maverick at number two with $1.4 billion, and then Jurassic World at number three with just over $1 billion. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru rises to number five now. It has made $920 million worldwide, enough to put it ahead of the Battle at Lake Chongjin, the first movie, which is at $911 million worldwide. But it doesn't really matter because it will Rotate off this list next week, along with No Time to Die, which will become part of the 365-day club. It's just three days shy of being on this chart for a full 365 days. We will induct No Time to Die next weekend. The Batman is at number 8. Thor Love and Thunder is at number 9. And The Battle at Lake Chongjin 2 is at number 10. And once No Time to Die and The Battle at Lake Chongjin rotate off this chart, we will add two more movies that are going to restart the clock and see if they can stay on this chart for a full calendar year. I don't think that's going to happen. Before we move on, I want to thank another one of the sponsors for today's show, ExpressVPN. And I don't want to get too personal, but when you go to the bathroom, you close the door behind you, right? If you don't close the door, you probably should. At a minimum, it's going to make your roommate's life a lot better. But mostly it's because some weird rando isn't going to come peeping in on you while you're doing your business. Doors are there to protect your privacy. And using the internet without ExpressVPN is like using the bathroom with the door wide open. Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? And what's worse, they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to all of this by creating a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices, my phone, my laptop, and you can even use ExpressVPN on your router so that everyone who uses your internet can share your privacy. I just got back from a vacation and let me tell you, it was so comforting to know that no matter where I was, if I was using Wi-Fi at the airport, at the hotel, at a theme park, I could rest assured that my privacy was going to be protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by Mashable, The Verge, and countless others. So if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Merle today. Use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L, and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle, and I'm going to thank ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's show. Before we look at the streaming charts, I always like to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and we're going to go back 35 years hard to believe, to September 18th through 20th, 1987, which saw the debut of a couple of significant films that have stood the test of time. At number one is the thriller Fatal Attraction, starring Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Still frightens people to this day with $7.6 million. And then we had an exceptionally close competition between number two and number three. At number two, Molly Ringwald and, as the poster says, Robert Downey, they team up in the movie The Pickup Artist, which made $4,455,000 at the box office. 
At number three was the movie Hellraiser, which is getting a new version in just a couple of weeks. It made $4,453,000. So just a $2,000 difference between those two movies at the box office. That's basically a statistical tie between numbers two and three. But two movies that people will probably be watching uh, here in the next month and a half or so uh, just to get scared. Fatal Attraction and Hellraiser both premiering on the same weekend. The Jim Belushi, Louis Gossett Jr. classic, The Principal. Remember The Principal? I don't. It debuted that same weekend with $4.2 million. And then at number five, in its seventh week, was the Richard Dreyfuss, Emilio Estevez. That's a pairing you could only get in the 1980s. They were in a film together called Stakeout, and it made $3.3 million. Good enough for number five. Let's look now what people are watching through various streaming services at home, and we will start, as we always do, with the iTunes chart. There's a lot of change because we did not do one of these for last week. Top Gun Maverick remains number one on the chart, but it has that little news sticker there because it is now available not only for purchase, but also for rent. Same with Where the Crawdads Sing, now available for purchase and rent. Nope is now available for purchase only, followed by After Ever Happy, still my least favorite title of the year, available for purchase and premium video on demand. Those are those high-priced rentals. Jurassic World Dominion, now available for purchase and rentals at number five, followed by Last Seen Alive, which is on the chart for purchase, but probably because it's a 99 cent rental this week. Confess Fletch, which is available in theaters and also on streaming. Also on this chart, people purchasing or doing a premium rental for that film. The Black Phone is at number eight. The Enforcer is at number nine, a new entry to the chart available for purchase or rental. And Minions, The Rise of Gru, still only available for purchase, good enough for number 10. Let's see what people were watching on Netflix for the week of September 12th through the 18th. These numbers are expressed in my custom graphic, my global Merle metric, which estimates the potential finished views for each one of these programs. At number one is the Netflix movie End of the Road, staying at number one with a PFE of 17.9, meaning 17.9 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing that film. Cobra Kai Season 5 stays at number two with a PFV of 15.3 in its first full week on the streaming service. The Netflix movie Do Revenge charts at number three in its opening weekend with a PFE of 13.5, followed by the Netflix movie No Limit with a PFE of 12.9. The Netflix series Sins of Our Mother enters the charts at number five with a PFE of 10.5, followed by Narco Saints Season 1 with a PFE of 9.9, Fate The Wink Saga Season 2 with a PFE of 8.1, followed by the Netflix original series Devil in Ohio with a PFV of 5, the Netflix series The Imperfects Season 1 with a PFV of 4.9, and the Netflix movie Love in the Villa with a PFV of 4.6. No change in the 2022 Netflix Top 10 or the overall Netflix Top 10, so we're going to skip those charts for this week and move on to the Nielsen streaming charts. Now, this is not a perfect metric. It does not cover all streaming services or devices. It only measures viewing here in the United States and it's delayed by about a month, but it kind of gives us an idea of how different shows and movies are doing on different streaming services. Looking first at the most streamed movies, this is for the week of August 22nd through the 28th. 
That week saw the debut of Me Time on Netflix, which clocked 16.1 million hours watched, followed by the Sylvester Stallone film Samaritan on Amazon in a somewhat distant second with 9.4 million hours watched. The Netflix film Look Both Ways is at number three, followed by Netflix's Day Shift at number four. Sing 2 on Netflix is at number five, followed by Uncharted, also on Netflix, a pair of non-original movies making the chart. Lightyear on Disney Plus is at number seven, followed by Running with the Devil on Netflix at number eight. Encanto, a fixture on this list, is at number nine with 3.4 million hours watched. And then rounding out the top 10 is The Gray Man on Netflix with 2.9 million hours watched. This is a list of the top 10 streaming shows on Nielsen, and this is a very interesting way of looking at how this data is presented and what it really means, because I saw that somebody wrote an article about this chart that wasn't exactly representative of the reality of the situation. This is for the week of August 22nd through August 28th. There were two episodes of House of the Dragon available this week. These were the most watched shows according to Nielsen. Echoes on Netflix was at number one with 18.7 million hours watched. And at number two was Game of Thrones on HBO Max with 15.1 million hours watched. So obviously in the lead up to and in the wake of House of the Dragon premiering, a lot of people returning to Game of Thrones to revisit what had happened or catch up on things that they've forgotten about or maybe watch the season or the series for the first time. At number three is Stranger Things on Netflix with 14.8 million hours watched, followed by NCIS on Netflix with 12.8 million hours watched. And then at number five, we have House of the Dragon on HBO Max with 12.3 million hours watched. And some people may be surprised to see House of the Dragon so low. Well, wait a minute. Aren't a bunch of people, tens of millions of people watching the show week to week? And the answer is yes. This is where you have to look at how this data is expressed and what it really means. Because for example, look at Game of Thrones there at number two. That viewing data represents people that are watching every season and every episode of the entire series. So that 15.1 million hours watched, that's people watching seasons one through eight. Any episode of Game of Thrones is eligible. House of the Dragon is putting up 12.3 million hours watched with only two available episodes. That means that there are far, far more people watching these two episodes of House of the Dragon than any of these other shows on this chart. But the reason that it's so low is because you can only clock so many hours watched when you only have two available episodes. Whereas when you look at a show like Stranger Things, that has four available seasons. Game of Thrones with multiple available seasons. All of these shows almost have at least multiple available seasons, if not many more episodes than House of the Dragon. So I think what we're going to see in the weeks to come on this chart as more episodes episodes of House of the Dragon become available, we're going to see that show move up. So I think this is actually the lowest we're going to see House of the Dragon on this chart. But I saw an article that was like, well, House of the Dragon is on HBO Max, but it's getting outclassed by the original show Game of Thrones. Well, that's because there's so much more of it available to watch. It's rare to see a show that only has one or two available episodes show up on this chart. And it just goes to show you the sheer number of people that are watching the show. So I think this number five placement is actually really impressive given how little of the show could actually be counted at this point. At number six is Netflix is The Sandman with 11.3 million hours watched, followed by Coco Melon on Netflix, Bluey on Disney Plus, The Big Bang Theory on HBO Max returning to the chart, and then at number 10, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. So a lot of people's parents and relatives watching Hulu and catching up on Only Murders in the Building. I'm just kidding. 
And that wraps up the charts for this week. As we get into the later part of the year, there's more and more stuff for you to watch. This is just a snapshot of a few things that are available coming up this week. On Wednesday, the controversial Marilyn Monroe semi-biopic, Blonde, starring Ana de Armas, hits Netflix. On Friday, the long-awaited Hocus Pocus 2 hits Disney+. Also on Friday, Intergalactic, which is Kid Cudi's new visual companion to his new album, hits Netflix. And then over on Apple TV+, Peter Farrelly's follow-up to Best Picture winner Green Book, The Greatest Beer Run Ever, starring Russell Crowe, Zac Efron, and Bill Murray will premiere. So you've got a lot of movie options across multiple streaming services there. And then in theaters, the movie Smile will be opening in wide release, as well as the rom-com Bros, starring Billy Eichner. In limited release, Mila Kunis' Luckiest Girl Alive, which hits Netflix on October 7th, will be playing in a small number of theaters ahead of its premiere on the streaming service. God's Creatures, a new film from A24 starring Emily Watson, will be available in limited release. And Dead for a Dollar will also be open in limited release, starring Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe. This movie is directed by Walter Hill, who did movies like The Warriors, 48 Hours, and Last Man Standing, which is also a Western. There are also a lot of other options on streaming services and in theaters everywhere. We're leaving these late summer doldrums as we get into the end of the year with the awards season crush. There's not going to be a whole lot of weekends from here to the end of the year where there's nothing new for you to watch either at home in theaters or both. Thank you so much for watching the show. Thank you to my sponsors, Mint Mobile and ExpressVPN. You can look down below for more information about them and also my partners, as always, at Carbon Health. I'll be back later this week with streaming reviews, movie reviews, all kinds of stuff. I'll be back next week with box office news, and I'm always here in case something crazy breaks and I just want to say something about it. You can check it out right here on the channel. Until next time, stay safe. And I'll see you then. Bye. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary.